Shock the System. Welcome to Dank Discussions with me, Calican CEO Maynard Breslow. In each episode, you'll learn from the trailblazers, leaders, entrepreneurs, and influencers in the ever-moving, ever-growing cannabis industry. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Dank Discussions. Today, we're joined by Laura Logano. Laura is... Uh, an educator and author, the owner of the uh, Holistic Cannabis Academy and the Laura Logano Wellness. So uh, she has a lot of everything going on. Thanks for joining us today, Laura. Thank you so much, Maynard, for inviting me. Uh, the pleasure's all mine. Uh, let our listeners know where you're based out of today. Uh, I'm based in Hoboken, New Jersey, USA. Very cool. Right across the yeah, right across the river from Manhattan. I can actually, if I stand on the river and you're on 14th Street, I could wave to you. Hoboken, no joking, as they say, huh? <laughs> my, uh, my fiance is there from, uh, from Montclair, not too far from you, so uh, originally. So I know there's a lot of cool stuff, you know. New Jersey seems to be the next, uh, you know, place where legalization may be coming in. Um, I know they're getting ready for that. So uh, tell me kind of the scene going on there, cannabis industry in New Jersey. Well, yeah, there is, you know, New Jersey was at a stalemate uh, and they just actually are changing how they're going to hopefully uh, pass any legislation about uh, adult use cannabis and they're turning it over to the voters. Uh, Murphy had tried to have the politicians vote for it and it just didn't pan out he, he didn't pan out even though that was one of his promises uh when he got elected you know first hundred days and we're way past that now so we're a little bit at a standstill we have a lot of um in the third round now of approvals for uh applications for medical marijuana dispensaries but by the time you know the applications come out and from the time the actual dispensaries and grows and other places open is quite a period of time. As you know, it's not like deciding you're opening a shoe store and you know it's open. It doesn't work that way with cannabis. It takes a long time. So you know it's all in process. I do think that New Jersey is going to be uh, definitely an example for the East Coast because right now we don't have that many uh, states on the East Coast who have both uh, medical and adult use cannabis. You know, that's mostly going on on the West Coast and in Colorado where they're going gangbusters, but not here yet. Exactly, I'm from California, so I'm well-versed in, in how long the, the procedure takes, you know, and it, it was a long time, obviously, between medicinal and recreational, and here it seems it's a little bit more compact and still trying to get the system up to speed. Um, so a long way to go. Um, you know, you, um, I, I'd like to hear a little bit about, you know, how you came into cannabis in the first place, you know, what's, what's your passion and tell me what kind of your background, because obviously the cannabis industry is so hard to navigate. And in the first place, you talked about all the restrictions, constraints, compliance. Um, so how did you kind of go about the ins and outs, learning the ins and outs and tell me your story. Sure. Well, I'm actually, I uh, was trained as a registered dietitian nutritionist. So I was already in the healthcare field and I was always fascinated by the relationship between food and mood and environment and mood and how everything affected mood. And that was, you know, food and nutrition were always my thing. 
Now, cannabis is a plant. And when I started reading and hearing about cannabis and the healing benefits of cannabis, that was a big aha moment for me. And I reflected back to having grown up in Brooklyn, which is, uh, for people who don't realize this, the biggest cannabis uh, consuming municipality or city in the world. So it was certainly something that was available you know, when I grew up, and, but I never thought of it at that time as a, you know, as a health tool. It was, as we all learned when we were growing up, you know, people thought of it as a gateway to drugs. Now, I never believed that hmm. because I knew a lot of people who consumed cannabis and that's all they consumed. Uh, they didn't, the, four days later, they weren't uh, heroin addicts. But I still wasn't considering uh, looking at cannabis as a, as a as a health tool until much more recently, you know, maybe about 10 years ago. And, you know, that that's when I really hit the ground running because, and I really entered the field because of my daughter. So I have a daughter who has a developmental delay. She had autism and I was, I'm always looking for new modalities to move her to the next point, whether it's nutrition or integrated listening or therapeutic listening or speech therapy or therapeutic horseback riding or equine therapy. So there's all sorts of things that I have looked at for her. So my book about her is going to be called My Best Teacher because she has truly been my best teacher. I don't know that I have would have gone on this journey and would have learned these things without my daughter. And her name, uh, quite coincidentally, is Isabella Speranza, uh, which in Italian means beautiful hope. So interesting the way things happen in life. And she, and she's the person who got me obviously to cannabis because I was looking for another healing modality. Now she, she had grand mal seizures that were almost, uh, some of them were almost an hour long. And if anybody, if you've ever seen a grand mal seizure, they're pretty horrific to watch. But if you've ever seen a grand mal seizure that a baby has, it's, doubly horrific and if that baby is yours it's uh beyond horrific so that was something that i really had to move through to figure out how to best help isabella and in the beginning uh i did take her to what was considered you know the best neurologists in manhattan and they did what they know how to do and they only used what's in their toolbox and that was drugs drugs and more drugs which actually made Isabella worse. Uh, it did get rid of her seizures, but it created other behavioral side effects. And one day when it was pretty obvious that there was other things impacting her behavior, I realized, you know what? I already have the knowledge. I felt like Dorothy. You know Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz, where she always had the power to go home? That's how I felt. I felt like I always had that ability to guide her and then i just had to use it so that's what i did well you know you talk about the you know the power of parenthood being a mother and i've spoken to to multiple mothers who this was how they also were introduced to cannabis and um you know and the the the, the amount of relief that they've seen you know what what what, what would any parent do for their children they do anything for, for their child um and that's the most disappointing thing is to still see you know the stigma that's associated, um, you know, the, the miseducation, you know, you talk about gateway drugs and it's a topic that just came up this week here 
not to get too political, but with Joe Biden, it just, that's what, you know, when I hear stories like yours, and it's such a beautiful story, and I'm so happy to hear that the things are turning around, it really pisses me off to think that there isn't, that there's still people out there suffering um, because of stigma, because of um, not being able to get it. Um, so, you know, it's just, um, what can we do here, you know, for, to help other people, other parents who still see their, their child suffering? Yeah, I think it's pretty crucial to get, to really galvanize parents and as well as the healthcare professional community to start looking at cannabis really for what it is, which is a plant and a healing plant. You know, we, of course we have all the propaganda from the past, but that's, you know, over 80 years ago, yet it is still alive and well, because we still have people who don't understand, basically they don't understand plant medicine. And I think one of the challenges, of course, is that everyone knows someone who is sitting in his mother's basement playing video games with a bong. Well, go ahead and do that. That's your right, you know, as a, to do that, uh, you know, if it's legal. But, you know, the, the problem is, is that that's, that's one person. And I think the biggest issue is that there's many, many people who use cannabis every day. And the majority are very functioning people with big jobs, you know, whether they're in video production or on camera or doctors, lawyers, you know, teachers, many, many people. But because of the stigma, they don't come forward and say anything. And because people don't come forward and say that they use cannabis, uh, the stigma remains. I mean, look look what happened to Elon Musk when he was, who's pro, was he on a program with Joe Rogan, I think. And I mean, people talked about that and maligned him. You know, and this is a, con, this is a constant thing that happens. You know, people are constantly maligned for mentioning cannabis or talking about the use of it. So nobody wants to lose either their license or their job or their, or their standing in the community. And that's part of the reason probably why New Jersey now is taking it to the voters because the politicians in New Jersey, they don't, even if they believe in it, they don't necessarily want to vote. Yeah, I you know, talk about you know, people's reputations being on the line and that's the whole thing is people need to take a stand now. You know, it's um, the time is now to be able to take a stand. It's a different time. And, you know, you mentioned that, you know, the, maybe they're, they're not knowledgeable of plant-based medicine. Um, you know, the other argument is, is that there's no money in plant-based medicine, that there's a lot of money play, you know, that's behind the pharmaceutical companies and the doctors are getting paid to prescribe it. And they'd rather pump them full of that instead of, you know, giving somebody a natural remedy that they can go and get without their, their prescription, so to speak. Um, it's a matter of control. Now, um, you know, you, you write, you're running a book here. You wrote a book. I, I'd love to hear about your book and, and how, what you're sharing in your book about how, um, what the next steps are and what, what's, what's the book about. Sure. So I, uh, you know, I'm an educator and I'm a nutrition and health educator. And of course, cannabis is part of that. So I have uh, two big education pieces. One is an online learning platform, which people can find at holisticcanna.com. And it's about integrating cannabis with nutrition and yoga, massage, 
essential oils and other holistic modalities uh -huh. to balance the endocannabinoid system. And that's a, that's the certification program that's available to, um, you know, healthcare professionals to really do a deep dive about the plant. And there's an exam and a certificate that follows it. And the book is called The CBD Oil Miracle, which is published by uh, St. Martin's Press. And, you know, of course, St. Martin's recognized that CBD was big time. So they wanted to get a book out about that topic. And in the book, I do talk about let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater uh -huh. because uh -huh. I believe in all the cannabinoids, uh, not just CBD. But right now, of course, CBD is the darling and CBD is very, very powerful. But I think what people don't realize is that the CBD that they're getting, and I and hopefully it's a a good quality CBD because we know that that's not always the case, mm -hmm. but that's a separate topic. But the CBD that they're buying derived from hemp oil actually has other cannabinoids in it. If they're buying full spectrum CBD oil, not only does it contain less than 0.3% THC, but it might contain CBG. You know, so it may, it may contain CBN, it may contain other cannabinoids that also have health benefits. Now, of course, those cannabinoids uh, are found in much more minute quantities, but the interesting thing about plants, and as a nutritionist, this is something that I've been looking at for a very long time, is that sometimes the components of the plants that are found in the tiniest quantities, the, min the minutest amounts, are actually pack the biggest punch are the most powerful components of the plant. So we have to remember that right now, CBD is the darling, and it's almost like THC took a little bit of a, you know, a backseat, but we're gonna be hearing about a lot of other cannabinoids because now, you know, scientists, particularly in Israel, are really looking very closely at the plant, and we're gonna be learning a lot more and we're gonna probably be seeing products that contain the other cannabinoids, you know, showcased. Definitely, and uh, you know, I have the benefit of being able to split time between Los Angeles and Israel, so definitely so much research going on here in, in, in Israel and uh, very good for that. Um, you know, can you kind of get into a little bit of, for, for those listeners who, who may not know so much, you know, what, you know, you t talk about don't throw the baby out the bathwater, there's so much more benefits, you talk about full spectrum. Uh, can you go a little bit deeper into that, um, into the different um, sure. know, actions? So, so by that, I mean that, you know, it, it, to me, it's almost like a backwards history, modern history of cannabis. You know, in California, of course, I believe in 1996 was the first state to legalize medical marijuana. And, you know, nobody it was not done in the mo in the best way mm -hmm. and that was it was just california for a long time and then i believe it was whoever else it was on the on the west coast you know colorado and washington state and oregon who who came on you know much later and that that was the first thing that happened you know the medical ma medical marijuana uh, getting approved in various states. And when I started in this business, there were 10 states that had medical marijuana. Now we have 33 plus DC. So that's, you know, more than a threefold increase since uh, 2014. You know, that's 
a pretty big increase, you know, given, you know, the, what the country was looking like. Then we move, and then of course there were some uh, states that also added adult use. So we have 11 right now, but we now are looking mostly at hemp derived CBD. So you have to ask yourself, it's, it's frankly, it's quite interesting that we started with the plant that contains THC, which is, you know, the most, was the most well-known component of the plant responsible for, you know, the intoxicating effects. But, you know, that doesn't mean that you always get intoxicated when using THC. And my question always is, what does it really mean to be high? Uh, which is, I'll answer in a few, we'll talk about that, I think, in a few minutes, because I think I'd be interested to hear in your take on that too, Maynard. But, it, but it's, it's backwards, because we started with the plant with THC in it, with, you know, full, full blast, full boat marijuana, you know, over 0.3% THC. And of course, we know full and well, that most of the cannabis that's available uh, in dispensaries is well over 0.3% THC. So it's much higher than that. And then after that, you know, in 2018, is really when hemp derived CBD came on the market in a big way. So why didn't that come first? You know, because that would have been something that was a lot easier for, uh, you know, an easier pill, so to speak, for people to swallow because, you know, the THC is under 0.3%. So it's fascinating, you know, the way the history of cannabis has, has blossomed. Definitely. I think a lot of that has to do with kind of the demonization of the plant in general. Um, you know, where even, you know, hemp has been suppressed for a long time in and of itself, you know, yes. the use of hemp, um, you know, being able to, to drive paper, um, you know, textiles, all, everything, the benefits of hemp in the long term, um, I think uh, it was very um, confronting to a lot of the major industries in America. And that's, in my opinion, the reason why so many times everything was pushed aside. So, we talk about THC and it came from, you know, the traditional market, from the black market where people were getting it on the street, wherever it was, and people were finding benefit from it in their own ways. Um, and it wasn't necessarily profitable at that time to have these huge hemp fields that we have now. Um, nowadays, we have the huge hemp fields that are going on because it's legal. And now that this, this is the game. Since the game has been open to CBD, um, you know, as long as net less than, you know, 0.03%, so then people can have, you know, 0.3%, I should say. And, you know, last week I had a uh, geneticist, um, Adam Jacques, and he, he's fantastic. And he's talking about it. It's, it's ridiculous to hold this standard of 0.3% in general because it's just a 20 to 1 ratio. And, you know, so what you're doing actually is you're having to create um, – you know, to, to breed a plant that is inherently going to yield less, um, you know, less of the other legal aspects of cannabis um, just for the sake of keeping the THC down. So he said it's, it's kind of a, another aspect of control. So that's where it all, in my opinion, all comes from is just an aspect of controlling, wanting to keep um, money for themselves, maybe greed um, and, uh, and 
we see now the effects of what happens, you know, and now that CBD is legal, now people are coming in. Now everybody wants to be an investor in it. Now everybody wants to bring their money in it. Um, and now we see legislation happening now, even with the, with the SAFE Act, um, you know, banking. Why? It's another aspect. They want to be able to control the money that's coming in and out because since a lot of the banks weren't processing uh, the payments, they can't keep track of what's really happening. Um, so it, it mm-hmm. just goes down to money, greed, what they can control of, and that's my little soliloquy of the day. <laughs> <laughs> you, you mentioned, you know, this aspect of, of getting high. And, you know, um, what, what does that mean to you, um, to getting high? Right. Well, you know, it's interesting to me because if you have somebody who is, let's say, uh, a type A person who's tightly wound. Now, I live in Metro New York. Uh, so you could say that's pretty much everybody <laughs> I know. Uh, you know, so, you know, you have people who are com- complete overachievers. Different vibe over there. <laughs> yeah. So what, what, one of the things that, you know, I, I always laugh about is when we see people who are really tightly wound and they're so stressed out, uh, you know, my thought is wouldn't it be nice if they just could get a tiny little bit of cannabis to regulate them and what that is essentially it is a physiological process because cannabis including cbd is psychoactive you know why people refer to cbd as non-psychoactive is perplexing to me it is very psychoactive that's Mm -hmm. why it works Mm -hmm. you know if we think of cbd alone it works to you know on you know our gaba receptors with serotonin to really Mm -hmm. help that's why it helps to regulate mood now obviously when we add you know a complete full spectrum with also thc and i'm talking whether it's from hemp which as you know, we're talking about, it's the same exact plant, it's just a lower amount of THC, or whether it's marijuana with a higher amount of THC. And let's say somebody is using cannabis, and cannabis, of course, we're defining either as marijuana or hemp, so either plant. And it is, if it's quelling, uh, you know, that type A personality and helping to even somebody out and it's helping somebody to process a little bit more mindfully and helping the person to really be in society and not get so frustrated or angry. Is that really high? Uh So this is a question that I ask. I'm not talking about, you know, the type of high where, which is real, which is the type of high that most people think about you know, being completely unavailable to do anything and having couch lock. That's not Mm -hmm. what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about just being just enough to regulate and balance the endocannabinoid system. And of course, that's originally what the plant did and how the plant was bred. You know, the plant was not bred with, you know, 29% THC, like many of the, you know, cultivars or strains that are available now was, was much, much, much lower. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the impact that it had. It worked sort of like an adaptogen, you know, an adaptogenic herb. And, it, and I have been told by botan- botanists that cannabis is not an adaptogenic herb, but it does behave like one. So, you know, for those who don't know what an adaptogenic herb is, think about a plant that grows in a very, uh, in a climate that changes constantly. Now, of course, that seems to be happening everywhere now. 
but I'm talking about, let's say on the mountainside in Nepal, where it's can be frigidly cold, then get searingly hot, and then maybe have a flash flood, and yet that plant survives. Those plants then were determined by the indigenous population to help even them balance their own uh, phys physiology by using those plants. And essentially, that is also what cannabis can do. It works on balance and homeostasis. So if you're using that sweet spot of the plant, that's what it's doing for you. So this is when I say, if somebody is really using that sweet spot, which is for most people a, a, a small amount, then is that really high? Uh -huh. To me, it's not. Uh -huh. It's making, it's really helping the person achieve a more balanced uh, behavior and personality. Uh -huh. Definitely. And I, I agree 100%. I mean, for me, it's been documented on the podcast before, you know, um, started using, started using cannabis when I was 15, 16 years old, you know, coming from a background, ADHD, having Ritalin, you know, being prescribed Ritalin since I was six, seven years old. And, um, you know, with cannabis, I was able to, you know, get away from all those side effects, get away from all, from, from that, um, you know, that medication completely. And, um, you know, like you said, there's a certain place there where, um, you know, before you're completely quote intoxicated or, you know, couch lock, um, where it's just the benefits, um, you know, use it to study, you know, use it to be able to, to, to study for my tests, being able to, to write papers. And then that was the benefits that I saw in it. Um, so it's, it's, it's kind of this whole debate. And like you said, something, something that's, I, I've brought up many times because we're so obsessed now, like you said, with these high THC strains that it almost leaves people who are newer, who want to see benefits from it. Um, and it kind of leaves them out of the market a little bit um, mm -hmm. because right away they come and either they're, they, they have a couple choices, you know, they can either get CBD with low THC. Maybe they can get a tincture with one-to-one -one, or if they want to try flour, it's like kind of like mind blowing stuff right off the bat, you know, or it's, you know, the, the shatter or, or the, you know, the, the whole rig, everything, you know, there, there's so many, there's so many options there. And yet there's not many options for somebody who is open-minded, who wants to come in perhaps and uh, see benefits of the THC without, um, you know, feeling that intoxication, feeling like they can't uh, function. Yeah. Well, I, I think there are, um, it's difficult to do that in some cases with flour because most of the flour that's available is very high in THC. But as far as some of the other products, whether it's an oil uh, that's taken by mouth and also some of the edibles may have, you know, a much lower amount that I think that's what a lot of people are, are using. Uh -huh. um, of course, my thing with edibles is that I'm not a fan of edibles that are, as a, as a dietitian that are high in sugar or artificial ingredients because it makes no sense to me. You know, I don't want to have inflammatory ingredients in with a, you know, a product that's being used to heal uh, and is in, you know, a well-known anti-inflammatory. So it just doesn't make sense. Obvi and also, I'm not a big fan of that 
because of the risk for children. I'm also not a fan of vitamin gummies either. So I'm not just maligning, you know, cannabis or CBD in terms of gummies. I don't really like uh, anything that could be abused or kids can get a hold of uh, because it tastes good. And, you know, there's been plenty of cases yeah. of things like that happening with things like just, um, you know, an aspirin that tastes good. You know, I can remember when my sister was little, she ate an entire bottle of aspirin that was that tasty, chewable aspirin that oh. tasted like Smarties. You know, so that's, the, you know, that's what kids do. They eat things that taste good, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, adults do the same thing. Adults see things that taste good and uh, somebody is new and they, they get a cookie. You know, like you said, aside from the, the dietary um, implications and everything, uh, how they're counteracting each other, um, you know, somebody can come in and over, you know, take too much, obviously. And we talk about dosage a lot. And there's kind of still mm -hmm. no clear way, um, you know, um, to, to dose properly when it comes to edibles. It's kind of like, know yourself, know your body. Okay, well, that's great. So, you know, what about someone who's just starting off? Okay, we'll start off with a slower dosage, see how you feel, put a little more. And it just, um, you know, it's kind of not like that in other, in other areas. And I think, you know, we're gonna need to see a lot more um, development in that, in that area um, as far as the edibles go. Because they, you know, um, everybody's heard that story. Everybody's heard that story. And probably most of us have uh, had that story that we can tell ourselves of uh, having a little bit too much of that cookie or the gummy and everything like that, so. Right, well, that, that, that was a, a New York Times columnist, Maureen Dowd, who went out to Colorado and overconsumed uh, an edible. She had a little bit and then nothing happened and then she had more <laughs> and then, you know, she thought that was the end of the world. And actually it was, it was she who catapulted the whole uh, campaign of you know start low go slow so that that was why that was developed so she actually did the industry a favor really but you know i want to point out that one of the challenges is that people don't really pay attention to their bodies there's a lot of other things that we do and consume that we everybody has a different biochemical individuality so let's take let's take something like coffee for instance I would venture to say that most people know who drink coffee, whether or not coffee keeps them awake or, you know, they can fall asleep. So Maynard, for you, do you know if you can, can you have a coffee at 10, 10 p.m. and fall asleep? Depends what it is. Because of my ADHD, usually stimulants, they don't, you know, I, I don't, you know, they don't stimulate me, they actually focus me. So... Um, it depends when it is. In the, in the morning, a cup of coffee is definitely going to benefit me a lot and keep me awake. At the end of the night, it's going to put me to sleep. So Okay, so, so here's the th interesting thing about you. So first of all, coffee, uh, there was actually at one time, there was a, a, an actual protocol for ADD that was using caffeine. It, without any medication. Uh -huh. So caffeine is well known to really help with focusing in people with ADHD. Uh -huh. And if you're falling asleep at night, then that means that you're what's called a fast caffeine metabolizer. And that's a genetic, that's a genetic predisposition. So most people know, you know, you can ask almost anybody and they know whether or not they can tolerate coffee. 
So they're paying attention to that, but they're not necessarily paying attention to other things, like for instance, whether or not they can eat an apple. So an apple is something in the nutrition world that we call a double FODMAP. Mm. And FOD, without going into FODMAPs, it's a type of sugar, but uh, an apple also contains, contains two components of uh, FODMAPs. And for, for some people, an apple can be very deleterious, but most people don't realize it. They're not paying attention to the symptoms that they're having when they eat an apple. So that that's a big issue, is that because we never taught and we haven't been raised to really consume anything mindfully, anything, mm-hmm. whether it's food or coffee or all of the beverages that are available, or alcohol, or cannabis, we're not in touch with how our bodies respond. So I think cannabis is going to lead the way to teach people Mm. how to really learn about their bodies, because, and I'm sure you have the same experience, you know, in the cannabis industry, I know obviously a lot of people who consume cannabis, and it's amazing to me, and then of course I have patients, it's amazing to me the variability. Mm-hmm. So, you know, people make this assumption, oh, if you're a big guy, you can consume a lot of cannabis. And if you're a little woman, you can't. Well, no, not at all. Everybody's, you know, people's endocannabinoid system and also their genetic predispositions to of certain uh, enzyme SNPs, which are, uh, that stands for single nucleotide polymorphism, are different. So you may have, hours are different. So I see, I see people who are insanely functional, have very big jobs, who consume cannabis all day long and very high amounts, you know, meaning, you know, 10 milligrams at a time, meaning, and I'm saying 10 milligrams of THC. And then I know other people who can barely tolerate a half of a milligram of THC and they'd be, you know, on the floor. Mm-hmm. So clearly, and, and yet they're this, they look the same, you know, they look the same, meaning the same body size, uh, you know, so, you know, the same ethnicity, you know, all things being equal. So people are different. And I mean, we're all, we all have a very different biochemical uh, individuality and genetic predisposition. So everybody's going to have a different reaction. And then, of course, there's the cannabis itself. You know, there's, I don't know how many different strains or cultivars, a lot. So between the different cannabinoids and the terpenes, it's going to have a different impact. So, for instance, limonene for some people is a big no-no because limonene can be too stimulating and it could really take people off on the wrong direction. So any of those people who are tightly wound, they may have to avoid limonene and they want, you know, a, a, a cannabis product, maybe with linalool, which is also, you know, which is the essential oil that's in lavender. So there's so many factors. It's not, and, and that's the problem is that most of the people who don't understand cannabis are thinking that it's one plant and that's what the reaction is gonna be. It's so fascinating, you know, just like I said, it goes back to that kind of know yourself and mindfulness. And I think talk about being mindful of our body, being mindful of what we consume. Uh, you know, it's, it's a fad now almost to be mindful, you know, where people are, you know, 
being mindful of mindfulness, where we realize how far we've come um, away from that because of the overstimulation, because of the distractions with phones and, you know, kind of dopamine overload or, you know, all kinds of things. I guess, you know, it takes me to my next question is, will we ever, you know, you mentioned how many factors are combined and, you know, there's no crystal ball here. We don't, you know, it's not going to say that you can predict the future. Can we, will we ever be able to kind of have, you know, somebody that can go on a database or go to see a doctor and they can kind of see their medical history, see and, uh, and be able to, um, you know, correctly or accurately um, prescribe what they would need in a, in, in a more accurate fashion? I, I, yeah, I mean, we're moving toward that. I mean, we do have the ability, and I mean, I do, I can do this with my clients in getting genetic testing done and actually personalizing food and lifestyle. And we also have the ability, we're starting to look at genetic SNPs in relationship to the endocannabinoid system to recommend to people what type of cannabis, what cannabinoid ratio and what terpene would resonate best with them. So we do have, uh, I mean, it's not used regularly, but I mean, we're working, we're moving toward, you know, personalized medicine. We're moving toward that. And I mean, the, where it really exists right now, and, and this is very, very valuable, is let's say for people who, who have cancer mm -hmm. and they are very, very targeted medications and I know everybody always wants to blast pharma, but there's a lot of reasons why pharma is good too. Um, I think the problem with pharma is when we use pharmaceuticals to manage chronic diseases that should be managed via lifestyle. Uh -huh. And that's about 85% of uh, the, the health conditions we have. So those are all the health conditions that can be modulated with lifestyle and diet. And that's where I come in as a functional medicine practitioner. And that includes things like fibromyalgia and MS, not just the obvious things like, like diabetes and, and heart disease. It, it includes all of the autism, you know, there's Alzheimer's, all of these things really should be not only managed, but can be avoided by, uh, you know, with a different type of lifestyle and using genetic testing and other types of testing to drive that. So we, we do have the availability to do that, but it's not well accepted. And of course, it's not covered by insurance. And, you know, so, you know, and people are slow to make paradigm changes. I mean, let's uh -huh. just look at the endocannabinoid system. It was discovered a long time ago. And it's not, and so, given the fact that the endocannabinoid system is involved in every single system in the body and is literally the basis of cell biology and physiology, shouldn't it, shouldn't I have learned it in school? When I, when I went to, when I went to Columbia university to study nutrition, you would think so. Shouldn't every doctor have every, you know, have a course on the endocannabinoid system as a system, the way doctors have courses on all the other systems? Certainly, but it's taken, it's taking so long for things to get into practice, but this is not uh, isolated to cannabis. This is, this is everything. It takes a very, very long time for research to get to practice. It's, mm -hmm. it's unfortunate. You know, yeah. people don't like, to, once people are in practice, 
they don't like changing their paradigm. No, definitely paradigm shifts. And, and like you said, research does take a long time. It's been taking a long time in Israel. It's taking a long time in everything. You know, I used to be involved in medical research as well. And, you know, talking about life-saving um, medicines for, for people with kidney failure. And, you know, those I was working on that 10 years ago, those are barely going to the market now. So it's just, it does take a long time with a lot of this stuff. And, um, you know, I have been on the record also, you know, blasting pharma because of, you know, uh, you know, blocking research perhaps, or wanting to stronghold. Um, but like you said, the real thing is that it's, you know, there's so much benefit from it. And not only that, like you said, it's one part, just like cannabis is of a greater whole of a wellness whole. And yes. none of it, none of it is, you know, a, um, you know, we had a, we had Dr. Dave Gordon on the, on before, and he was talking about, you know, people think it's like a magic bullet and it's not a magic bullet. It's not going to cure everything. It's not, there's so many benefits out there. Um, but you know, like you said, just, just like with pills, you know, you can't, uh, take Lipitor and expect for your, just all of a sudden I'm going to eat like crap and my, you know, my blood pressure is going to go down. Um, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, you have to combine it with, with the proper diet, with exercise, with everything else that goes along with it. And the same thing, I think, is going to come on down the line here. We're, this is a very new industry still, um, and uh, we have a lot more to go. So um, before we wrap up, um, you know, I just want to, um, you know, you're very grateful and uh, fascinated by, by everything you've shared here today. Um, wish we could keep going on, but mm -hmm. um, where can people purchase your book? Um, where can people find out more about Laura Logano? And where can people get in contact with you and connect with you? Sure. So the book you can find wherever books are sold, you know, Barnes uh, & Noble from the publisher, Macmillan. Uh, it's actually going to be in Target and, of course, on Amazon. So it's, it's everywhere now. And you can reach me at my email address, which is Laura, easy, super easy, Laura at lauralagano.com. So there's a lot of A's in my name, L-A-U-R-A at L-A-U-R-A-L-A-G-A-N-O. And my website is the same, lauralagano.com. And you can also go to holistickcana.com, which is also on my Laura Logano website to look at my, you know, check out my training program. But I'm always open, you know, to hearing from people. And I love to hear from, from listeners. Definitely, definitely. I'm very accessible and really grateful. Now, before I let you go, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask, um, you know, my favorite question. Um, you know, what, how do you define success and what does success look like for you? Well, I think success for me is, is happiness. Uh, it's really happiness and, uh, and joy and having a, a day that is full of happiness and joy. And I think cannabis is a great way to encourage happiness and joy for so many people. Amazing. Well, Laura, I really appreciate you. It's, you know, I, I wish you nothing but happiness and joy every day and um, a lot of success in that regard, in every regard. And I uh, wish you nothing but best for us this year and beyond. Thank you so much, Maynard. Thank you so much, Laura. We at Calican are passionate about cannabis marketing, branding, and web design. If you're a cannabis entrepreneur and you know you need an uptake in business or an upgrade in the way your customers perceive you, come check us out at calican.com and schedule a time to speak with us. 
Plans start at $248. Thanks for listening in to Dank Discussions, and we are so grateful for each and every one of you. We want to continue making dank content you want, so give us some feedback about the topics you want covered. Feel free to reach out to us at grow at calican.com. That's C-A-L-A-C-A-N-N.com. And follow us on Instagram for our latest updates.